Just did something very exciting with Saya from Squad Games. Um, we just went out and did a uh, Harry Potter murder mystery where we have to run through our local town uh, dressed up and, uh, you know, figure out who killed. Was it Cedric something? No, Cedric killed the other guy. Oh, yeah. But Somebody, you just spoiled who killed who. You ruined killed, it. You ruined it. it. You're not supposed to say who killed who. Well, you know, you you only get to uh, you only get to find out if you paid the ticket entry. Ah, I see, I see, I see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our team name was uh, the Polyjuice Addicts. Um, I came up with that one myself. I did not feel transformed. No, I did. Um, yeah, it was quite exciting. There, we had to run a couple places. I tripped and ate shit really badly over a sign. Honestly, that was like uh, my favorite part. Yeah. That shit was uh, funny. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, broke my mask because I was a Death Eater. It felt fucking great. Um, <laughs> walked around with a cracked mask. It kind of looks cooler afterwards, you know? You're like Jack of Blades. Yeah. yeah. And you're, you're your own Death Eater. It's your OC Death Eater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a good time, though. Uh, had a blast. Um, we have um, the winner of the Warhammer. No, the World Championship of Warhammer. I still can't fucking WCW, say that. WCW, man. I, it's easier to say WCW, but. Yeah, well, we can just we can refer to that as okay. this. The right. Or the World uh, Championship. That works too. Alexa. Yes, sir. So, how you doing? Um, from Australia. What part of Australia do you hail from, good sir? I'm from, I'm from Sydney. Sydney. So, uh, Nice. Yeah. Ah, very postcardable. <laughs> it is. It you is. see it on, yeah, you see it everywhere. We've got right? our bridge, we've got our opera house, we've got all the good stuff, that's it. <laughs> and you have giant spiders. Of course. Yeah. You don't? <laughs> um, we have black widows, and we have tarantulas, but they're really slow. And yeah, and not really toxic. As long as you well, don't, like, go and, like, pet them. pick them up and <laughs> yeah, pick exactly. them up and, like... I mean, you're not even supposed to touch them because they're so delicate out here. Like, I feel like the spiders in in um, Australia are like way faster and way more Aggressive. intimidating and well, bigger. Our giant spider also can't hurt you, so make oh, of that what okay. you will. Okay, he's friendly. You leave him and he eats all the flies and mosquitoes. He's great. Yeah, I like it's the little ones you have to worry about because you don't see them and they're all poisonous as hell. Oh uh, uh, hell no! And you guys also have, like bulldog ants and stuff. Uh, Did- yeah. <laughs> did um did dealing with wildlife the, the the Australian wildlife make you a better kill team player? Let's just be honest. This is the question everyone wants to know. I can't say that it hasn't. Okay. <laughs> fair. Fair. What about like have you ever had to like fight a kangaroo or like wild dingoes? Mm. I know you're from a Sydney so you're not like that close Remember, to wildlife. No. I've petted kangaroos. They, they, they oh, yeah? Bad. Yeah, went, went down to Taronga Zoo, mate. Went to the zoo, petted all the kangas. <laughs> kangas. I like that. I remember discovering what the inside of the pouch looks like and being Ugh. very surprised. Yeah. It's not it's, it's not a nice, comfy-looking place, no. It probably it is not comfy. Look, probably for, yeah, but like it doesn't look like the plushie I had when I was a child. At no, all. It, does, it doesn't look like a warm blanket wrapped around, you know. <laughs> at all. <laughs> the... Um, I, I've, I've, I've pet a Willoughby. A Willoughby? Is that what they're called? 
Yeah. That's like as close. But that is an animal. Yeah. I don't know if it's what you. (laughs) It's like, isn't the Willoughby like, like a miniature, like dwarf kangaroo type thing? A wallaby? A wallaby. A wallaby. Wallaby? Yeah. Australia is a cool place. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it was kind of on a lot of people's list of possibly the best kill team player of 2023 does not live there. (laughs) <laughs> but um you know that was that was uh proven wrong um congratulations you know Thank first you. and foremost you know it's difficult to get one of the golden tickets let alone go and fight some of the best people in the world and actually take take home the dub and uh i come from like watching a lot of esports and like league of legends and stuff and you guys your group was definitely the group of death and <laughs> yeah. um in my opinion which means like the hardest group yeah, right yeah. you guys had I, I ace you guys had orion who won last year um bands kept telling me how good you were so i was like all right so uh, you know alexa is probably the 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 black the black horse in this one um mm-hmm. and uh, then there's also jimmy kelly jimmy kelly is probably the the best is the best player on the west coast won multiple big events and done very well um and you not only won the group but then you won the whole thing so that's exciting that's very exciting yeah good job yeah it was very fun it was obviously very challenging i agree but i felt i felt somewhat confident especially after like the end of day one and day two i was like oh i've beaten everyone who's like the best i think i'll be okay now (laughs) like that's that's kind of where i was at at the end of day two i was like can't get that much harder can it right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was there's, odd but it, it yeah. was like i was like all right it'll still be hard but this is probably as hard as it gets so yeah there's also like a lot of like the possible counters of what colts quote-unquote counters currently are also didn't really make it into the next round so um other than the commandos right but i mean we'll, well get to that we'll get to well, that. well i was gonna say i think i think galapox are actually a, a, a like sleeper really good pick in the colts yeah, it's funny. Um, Orion came out here to the All Valley Team Tournament, and <clears throat> which is our one of our biggest events in California. Mm. Uh, fit, we had fifty four people come to this team tournament, and he was playing, and he lost to his first Colts match, and then he beat the next two. And one of the ones he beat was was Chris Baki, who is another really great player on the West Coast. He just hasn't played as much this year. He he won a golden ticket last year. Um. And one with Colts. So he's very familiar going into that matchup. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that one in a second. First, I want to ask you something. Um, Go ahead. What was like your gateway into the hobby of Warhammer? Like mine was like my mom went to like, you know, um, a tanning bed. And then I got, got to go to a game store next door. And I saw these cool little dudes and metal, metal models and stuff, you know. And I like the Terminators and, you know, the Swooping Hawks. and. Uh, and Drazor. Yeah. yeah, what was yours? Uh, for me, it was playing Dawn of War when I was like six years old. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so I, I, um, I, I, was, I live in Australia now, but I was born in Serbia, so I grew up there. And mm-hmm. then I don't think we, I don't think we had a Warhammer store anywhere, but uh, my dad and like his brother were into it, uh, and, like his friends were. And then I got into playing Dawn of War. I painted like some of his models when I was like five or six. Horrendously, I murdered those models. <laughs> I think there was some. I think there was some Bretonian arches mm. from memory that I, I had a go painting. Um, these are like very vague memories, but I painted something. Um, 
And then, yeah, we were maybe, maybe I was like 10 or 11 and we just moved here and we walked past the Warhammer store. Oh, it's a space marine. It's like those guys in the game, dad. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, that's how I got into, into Warhammer proper that way. Um, and have you been playing ever since or did you ever take a break? Uh, yeah, like between like 16 to like 18, I had like a little break. But most of the rest of the time, yeah, I've just been doing it in different amounts. Like sometimes I'd go like once every month and play a game. Sometimes it's once a week. Sometimes it's multiple times a week. So it, it depends how much I'm playing. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've been painting or playing pretty much since then. Yeah. Cool. What, when did you start playing Kill Team? Uh, about a year ago now, maybe like October last year. Okay. Like right around ITD coming out, basically. Gotcha. So what made you want to start playing cults, the fabled villains of the current meta? Um, well, I just think they're really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah? they, just, they have a really interesting play style, I think. Um, like when they came out, I, I like looked at them and everyone was like talking about Inquisition, like, yo, all these activations, you do this. I'm like, guys, this is like the most insane team I've ever seen in my life. And so I played cults just because everyone wanted to play against cults. And I was like, I'm just going to show you, you don't win. This, this is not. It's not real. This team is too broken. Yeah. Uh, and then I stopped playing. I played one tournament because I, I just needed like to get some points. So I qualified to event. I was like, I don't have enough time to go to more events. I'm not risking it. I'm just going to take my win, run people down with cults, and then I'm putting them away till they get nerfed. Um, yeah. And so then I didn't play them for like, I basically didn't play them for like four months. And then we had our finals event happening. And I was like, all right. I'll, I'll play a few commanders games, see how they feel. And I just like, was so boring to just like forward to play three times and your opponent just doesn't get to do anything. And then you just win the game. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. That's kind of lame. Oh, what about cults? Are they still good? And then I started playing cults again. Uh, yeah. Cause yeah. Yeah. They didn't, when they got that nerf, it wasn't, it wasn't like the end of them. I think Felgor got hit much harder. Probably, yeah, I'd agree. But I just was like, I was like, oh yeah, because uh, I was interested in playing other teams. Like, I, I switch teams a lot. I don't tend to stick to a team ever, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, just switching between teams, and I was like, well, I need something that's reliable and isn't going to dice me to death. Like, my, my one of my favorite teams to play is Corsairs, but you can't play Corsairs at an event with this many games because no, no. If you roll average, Corsairs are phenomenal, but one time you won't roll average, you'll roll bad, and then you'll lose the game. Because Hard. of just the dice, right? <laughs> right? Like that, that's, that's the nature of Corsairs, is you have a bunch of things that are really good on average, but they have to roll average, and otherwise you just lose. Yeah, it's the same thing with um, uh, Kinband. Kinband's, like, notorious for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so these, these are the teams that I think are still really strong but aren't reliable, whereas Colts, like, the, the best thing about Colts, especially playing in a long event, is, like, you do not get diced. If you lose as Colts, it's your fault. If you win, it's because you're playing better. That's it. That's the nature of cults. And that's why I like yeah. playing them in a big tournament like this. Yeah. They also don't have like a ton of weaknesses and they, they, they are to me, they are um, opposite of what every other team is. And I think that's what the designers were going for when they designed this team was every they're 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 all sitting around a table. Okay. Um, every team gets weaker as the game plays. What if we make a team that is stronger as the, te- as the game goes on? And they're yeah. like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. But you can stop them if you can blast them. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly what Colts are, yeah. So you said that commandos are kind of, well, 
that uh, not commandos, Geller Pocks are a little bit of a low key like counter, or they're at least decent into them. When before the nerf, it was very much they kind of got stuck in the front line, and then and then cultists finally just beat them back eventually. Um, it's changed a little bit now from you saying that they might be a little bit of a counter. But is there any other teams that you like specifically fear currently? I think um, the Vitiates have the ability to just like blow you up if they win initiative turn two. Not on into the Vitiates could, but yes, not well. Kind of though, like the sister plus flame, a sister a three APL opens door, moves shoots, flamer goes. Uh huh. Like they, they on both they have because she only needs to do a mission action to chain activate. So like you just open the door, sister blasts someone, flamer goes right on both ITD and open sisters can. Don't try to bring them blow back, open again. They're fucking cancer. They're just as bad as the fucking the, uh, Pathfinder. Uh, uh, people should be playing this. No, I was, I've been saying this on all the fucking discords. People should be playing Novitiates right now. Like, Orcs should be fucking shitting their pants at a good Novitiates player, and so should Colts. Yeah. Novitiates Novici- uh, have never really gotten that much worse. I think the thing that makes them not great right now is the melee hordes. Like, they're not as good into, like, Felgor. They're not as good into... Are they not? Surely they would be, I mean, right? Like the way I see it, I, I feel like they should do well into those teams. Like your threat range is on like, so you have so many models with a longer threat range than charges mm-hmm. that you should just shit on these teams, in my opinion. Okay. Like w- you got your two flamers who so can both go 11 inch threat range, right. right? Which melee teams can't do anything about. You can then three APL your sister superior. You can then whip your like chainsaw lady and she can go further than anyone. You've got like four operas that all like turbo outrange these teams and will reliably blow them up. Well, you are the best kill team player in the world right now. So, so we have I'm not going to argue with you that yeah. much. <laughs> you can, but I like, well, like uh, that's what I'm just thinking. I, I haven't played Novitiates much. I've played a fair bit against them and I've played practice games against them too. And just looking at it and like, you know, looking at said, like if you just use the ploy to make your pistols bolt guns, if you're investing faith into it, you've got like a 50% chance to kill an orc with just an auto pistol. Hmm. Like that's crazy. And you have 10 of those. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and your flamers will just murder an orc. Your sister superior will murder an orc. Like, what about cults? Uh, again, you have the threat range to get past their front line and kill the things you need to kill, which are the cultists. And again, the flamers are pretty good at killing torments, surprisingly. Like, they will just do like 10 to 12 damage to a torment. Okay. Right? And the damage reduction, which is usually the trick against these things that kill your torments, doesn't really do anything against them. Your sister superior will just blow open a torment. Like, no questions asked. So, like... Uh, and then you have like your uh, Repentia, she can just run past and go for the cultists in the back, like the squishies, because she's got that real long threat yep. range. You can get like a crack grenade or even, this is like the only team where I'd maybe throw a frag at cults, but probably not. I still just go for a crack grenade and just use that to like kill a blessed blade or kill the demagogue or kill something like Repentia, like charges past like 11 inches or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh with three APL on her, melee someone to death because she will, and then throws a crack grenade, right? Like you have all these options to put pressure on cults. Which is what you need to beat them. Like you have long threat range, very reliable ways to kill people, hmm. and you're also really annoying to charge as cults because you can just make crits and stuff. And so it's kind of scary to like have a cultist even charge like a regular sister. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I feel like they struggle into like Wormblade and a few other less played. Uh, oh, facts. I was playing Wormblade. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. But, How do they do against Legionnaires? Like. Legionnaires, they probably melt them pretty decently. I imagine it'd be fine. I don't see why Legionnaires would be a problem for yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they they are generally a, a pretty decent team. I know that they were so good in Chris Baki's hands, who's who's a North 
from from here up north. Uh, he won so many tournaments with them. He retired them because they were too good, and then they got nerfed. So, well, I think that people really have reacted to nerf to them. Like, I, I don't think it's totally agree. I think they've been. That's what in general though. Like it's always like that. Like people will see a nerf and think now it's bad, and it's very rarely the case. Yeah, what's interesting about uh, playing playing cults is like they got a nerf. Everyone said that commandos were really good into them. Uh, we always put them still in S tier because I don't really play cults, and I still think they were super strong, and I still think they could beat commandos. And obviously, you proved it. Um, but mm-hmm. like. Yeah, their their nerf, while sufficient, while while big, was not big enough to put them more in line with everyone else. I think there is a thing to consider, which is like maps are really impactful to cults. Yeah, right? speaking of maps, they were uh, they were interesting. At the uh, we we talked about it last week. We weren't the biggest fan of of the open maps. What did you think about the open map? They were like they were kind of what like the sort of standard TPT esque vibe is right now, which is. Too safe in the middle, not safe enough in your drop zone, which is like a really weird combination that's of things Spain. that I really don't that's like. That's a Spain thing. They really, no, Spain really likes open in the middle. And I agree. No, no, I agree. That's how I think it should be. I think Kill Team is best that way. I don't necessarily think Spain's maps are perfect or the best, but I think they've got the right idea in that regard. That's fair. Um, so moving on to, um, you know, your golden ticket win. Um, hmm? We touched on it a little bit, but how big was the the tournament and where was it held? Uh, it was held in Melbourne, so we had to fly down. Okay. Uh, a bunch of us from from Sydney went down there. Uh, as we said, we're going to go pillage Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're like the slightly bigger scene, and we're going for a little bit longer, and it went pretty well for us. I think most of our top players beat the top players in Melbourne. Um, I ended up just playing three people from my local area, and then one Melbourne player in the final, which was a bit. But it's fine. Oh, <laughs> it's just the way it yeah. is. So, but um, yeah, no, it was good. I think we had like twenty to thirty players from memory. I can't remember. It was too long ago. Okay. I mean, that's still. <laughs> it was like a decent size event. It's relatively yeah. bigger. Um, I think America gave out one that was like an eight-man tournament. It was. It was exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's pretty vile. Yeah. <laughs> um. So moving on to the uh, WCW. Um. Did you do anything in particular to to prepare for the event? Like, did you play against certain people in your scene? Did you, like, practice certain things? Like, what did you do? I mean, like, I, I tried a couple of matches. Like, I let people to play a couple of matches. Like, I was like, oh, let's see what Breaches and Open is like. Let's see what Commandos... Oh, actually, I played my Commandos practice game on the floor in a hotel the night before. Mm. So, I didn't really do that much prep for that. Um, no, I, I sort of was like... Look, either right now I'm like, either I'm good enough or I'm not. Yeah. You know, playing a couple extra practice games, like, I played a game against Galapox that probably helped a little bit against Orion. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it. Like, I didn't, I played my like one to two games a week that I normally play. And I occasionally was like, hey, can you play Galapox in this game instead of whatever else you're going to play? All right. All right. So uh, there are uh, golden tickets and silver tickets. Silver tickets were. Uh, the people, the players themselves had to pay to go to Atlanta. Was your trip like all included from the tournament or? I got partially subsidized. So I got 500 bucks off my ticket. Okay. That's not terrible. Yeah, it's That's, not at all. Yeah, I can't, I can't at least it's something, yeah. right? Yeah, covered my hotel, yeah. <laughs> basically. So so your trip to America, um, how was the flight? 
Flight was all right. Um, yeah, I, I didn't. I, I maybe just got lucky. Like I like intermittently napped on the way there, and then basically woke up at, like nine a.m. Texas time because that's where we landed first, and then we landed in Atlanta at like one a.m. because we had like a really long layover. And then I went to sleep and I woke up the next day and I was like, oh, cool. It's like 7 a.m. Cool. <laughs> uh, the flight was nice. It was good. We got lucky. We, our, um, our whole row was just, we had a four seat row just to the two of us, me and Liam, who was the other guy coming from Australia. So we just had like ball of space, no issues, spread out, make a mess. It was fine. <laughs> so it was a pretty good flight, honestly. Nice. Um, I've heard that Atlanta was a little sketch. Um, or at least the area that you guys were at, did you feel any kind of way? How was, is, was this your first time in America? Yeah, it was my first time in America and I was not, not feeling it. <laughs> it was definitely a little bit sketchy. Like there was, there was a lot of, uh, shady people and dodgy people. Around, okay. Say. Yeah. I definitely heard that, um, from a couple players that the area, wherever you guys were at, whatever happened, uh, there was it definitely did not feel like super safe to, to go outside the hotel. No, like here in Australia, like I will go for a walk at like 10 PM all the time. And it's just like, whatever, we're fine. Like I feel nothing, <laughs> but like they're like walking, walking around at midday. I felt like I need to be careful. Like I was on edge the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry that you had that experience when you came to America for the first time. Uh, not all places in America are that way. I promise you. I mean, it's also partially in my own head. I'm sure. But I mean, you, know I, I mean? you are not the only one that said that. So let's just get that straight. Okay. So you didn't. Okay. Hey, good. Good. I'm not the only crazy. I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. Yeah. You got to think about like people here in the States that won golden tickets felt sketched out. Like that's not a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's yeah, not There it. were people yeah. from LA New York and a couple other places that live in America that went there and said that they really wish they would have chose a nicer area. Like last year they did like a New Mexico spot while New Mexico is not a destination that's like particularly like amazing. The resort that they chose was really, really cool. And they had a great time like in the actual resort, right. And, and around it. So what was um, the food? It's it weird because like the hotel was like big and fancy and nice, and they're like all these like fancy cars, and you like walk two meters to the side, and there's like homeless people everywhere. Like it's so the juxtaposition, so wild. Sometimes in LA, yeah. you can run into that as well. There are certain great areas, and then there's certain bad parts of every town. But uh, it sounds like yeah, you're, yeah, I'm sure it's the same everywhere. It's the same in Sydney too. Yeah. Um, did you eat fast food while you were here? Yeah, like we we mostly ate like it was like ninety percent burgers. Like I was like, oh cool. Let's, let's have a look at the menu. I'm like, oh, which burger do I want today? I was going to ask you this, uh, so I guess I'll ask it now. What what was your experience with the drink cup size? Yeah, they're huge. They're huge I don't know what's right? going on here. You guys are insane. What's going on here? Wait, what's going I, on? What, what is the size? Maybe we're just being scammed. Someone's insane. Wait, wait. What's the size of your drinks? If our drinks are big. Like half. Like Dakota, half? do you remember what a medium was like back in like ninety seven? It was yeah, much I was smaller. Fucking, I was seven years old. My I was friend. five. I was and I remember tiny. they were big. Like they're <laughs> so much smaller back then. I had a medium yesterday and I was going like this is at least uh I don't know what oh thirty ounces or something in this. It is so much. Yep. Bro, when I when I get a when I get a soda, I want to drink thirty ounces. All right, I don't want none of these eight ounce, twelve ounce cans. <laughs> when I want a soda, I'm craving that. I'm craving that sugar, that corn syrup, <laughs> that fucking course through oh, my veins. No. Right? <laughs> I prefer cane sugar. <laughs> it fuels me. It fuels my ADD brain to 
you know, do crazy stuff. All right. <clears throat> Before we get into this, Alexa, I have to know something. Are Come you on. colorblind? No. Okay. Moving on. <clears throat> the last person that we had on our, one of our uh, last guests, we didn't find out they were colorblind until the end of the episode. I just wanted to see if we had something in common, which no. you're, 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 you have something in common with Giacomo. You have normal eyeballs. Okay. Yes, he, he can oh, see the Dorito colors. There's no, there's no <laughs> colors on Doritos. G. Uh, maybe in maybe in Australia, I'm also correct. You never know. It's true. You might be. Yeah. Do you guys have cool uh, ranch chips? Uh, sure. Yeah, probably. Okay. If you look around enough supermarkets, <laughs> I heard that ranch isn't like a really big flavor in Australia. Yeah, like uh, yeah, just like on like sauces and like pizza of all things. Yeah, oh, I don't know. It's just like a dipping sauce thing. Okay. One of my exes is really into it. She was like, oh, we're ordering pizza. We're ordering like six th- tubs of ranch. I'm like, all right, girl, whatever suits you. Uh, yeah. You do you. Airy queen. <laughs> Got to treat her. As much, yeah, you know? yeah, queen. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, did you, so you just ate burgers the entire time. Did you have any like good meals on the plane or anything or? Uh, on the plane, I did, I did go to one actual restaurant where I had like a really nice like roast chicken and mashed potatoes that was really nice all right everything else is just burgers <laughs> Which, what was the nice restaurant i can't remember the name was it? it was like five it was like two minutes from there i was just we just i was like oh we need food it's like some grill it was like some grill oh, it would have been there. funny if it was denny's <laughs> no it was not denny's <laughs> i know what denny's is. No, no, no. we're good we didn't have any denny's so before your first game were you were you nervous or were you just like let's fucking go I was ready to go, man. I, like, you know what I mean? I wouldn't be flying here for spending $2,500 if I didn't think I could win, you That's know? That's true. Like, you got to have a little bit of confidence in yourself, yeah. I feel like. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I was, was more excited, honestly, than nervous. Okay. All right. So, um, seeing that your very first matchup was against Orion, the previous... Uh, world champ i don't even think they called it that back then but well that's what we're going to call it for now because it makes a better story uh yeah, right, yeah playing the previous world champ uh orion and tying him um you know like how'd that go you know and did that give you confidence did it give you hesitation like what, what were you thinking at that point in time yeah that, that um i felt good about that like it was a very tricky game it was one of the weirdest most intricate games i've ever played like Yellow Fox vs. Colts is just like a really complicated matchup. Mm. Um and and like the draw came down to me. Like Ryan played very well. Um and there were a couple of things that I could have done better that I saw very quickly that I was like, oh, if I just did these things, I could have like basically guaranteed one. So that definitely helped me feel like I'm here and I, I I'm like at the right level to win. Okay. Like that that felt good. That's good. Um did you enjoy your game against Orion? Oh, it was great. It was fantastic. We played, we played, that was the longest game I played because obviously people talked about the time and I was like, this is the only game where like the four hours mattered, but we were both just also kind of chill about it. That's good. And we were both like staring at the board for like 10 minutes at a time. <laughs> it was just like weird ass game. <laughs> I feel like if we played that game again, we'd, we'd get through it like in no time and it'd be fairly similar. Okay. But it was just one of those things that we had the time. We didn't have to rush. We were both kind of just chilling, having fun and laughing about this stupid melee mashup game one. Like <laughs> it, was just, it was a very fun game. I really enjoyed that game. Yeah. He, uh, he actually did something similar at, at Las Vegas. Cause that's how he won. He, uh, he, he, he won the Las Vegas open about, I think game three 
or four, he tied Chris Baki uh, and then ended up uh, getting to the top table at the very end and then taking it. And that's how he got his golden ticket. We actually talked about it. He could have won our game. He, he actually could have guaranteed one. He just didn't quite see oh, yeah? it. I told him afterwards and I was like, ah. Oh, that's exciting. And I was like, ah, oh, that's fine. I got lucky. I got lucky you didn't see that, basically. <laughs> um, but it was fine. It wouldn't have changed much because we both would have come through at the end anyway because it would have been him on five wins, me on four one, I think. Yeah. yeah. So it wouldn't have changed much if he'd won that game because I played down into losers anyway. So. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, oh man, you, you had me there. You had me, but it's all right. So, so then you beat Jimmy. Jimmy brought novitiates. Uh, he asked me a couple of uh, breaches. Yeah, breaches. He, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, he, he asked me a couple of times what he should bring. And I was like, dude, your, your breaches are sick. So he ended up bringing them. He was going to bring, I think he was bringing either commandos. He won his golden ticket from um, winning KTO, an 87 man tournament, all into the dark with custodes. Um, yeah, that's big. Yeah, it's a big tournament. Yeah, it was huge. Um, uh, so how did uh, how did that matchup go? Well, it was into the dark, which was good to mm-hmm. me. Um, so I think Jimmy, I, I, t- I think I told him this. I, he brought the cat and the skull, and I was just like, you should just bring twelve guys. Like, you just should bring twelve guys. The cat and the skull are both like traps, uh, in my opinion. Okay. Um, and then. He he had initiative turn two, and his breach and clear play was to throw the guy's skull at me. And I was like, okay, cool. And then the guy's skull didn't do that much. And then I was sort of free to run the game because that was like, the breach and clear was the scary part of the turn, and I survived it. I lost like one cultist to it, and then went, okay. Mm. Now, now I play. Uh, and it just was like one of those things where like, it was ITD, it was tricky for him. The, the, the cat really backfired because I just like, I had two cultists on a door. Yeah. I opened the door with one and charged. Then the other guy charged, fought the cat and became mutant right on top of everyone. Ooh. It was just like, and I was like, yeah, this is why I was like, the cat cannot be real. It's got to be a trap, right? Like, um, and so that kind of just like blew the game open my way turn two. And then I think he had a couple of unfortunate fight rolls. I think someone rolled bad and didn't kill something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it very quickly snowballed by the end of turn three where I just was like, running right through him yeah oh his um his his um his what's his name his crack grenade uh rolled kind of bad uh on turn one he, he threw a crack grenade at a cultist and just like didn't kill Jeez. him um he didn't have the attack water on it which i was i was telling him after he probably should have put the attack water where he was going mm-hmm. uh that would have helped a lot because like rolling a no rerolls crack grenade is like it's fine but it's not not reliable that's fair that's fair yeah the um yeah, Colts on Into the Dark is also just uh, an up- an upward battle from that. Maybe he thought that he needed to do something extra or something different to try and get the win. Yeah, it was uh, good shit though. Yeah, they, they're both th- both those players are really good. He was also, I think, undefeated up until when you played him, right? Yes, yes, he was. Very nice. Yeah, he's. I've never beaten Jimmy uh, either, uh, and uh, congratulations, man. That's, yeah. He's not he's, he's not a not an easy opponent. No, he, he did. He did well. It was just like a couple things went wrong, and then I think that his his strategy was like trying to find something that that quite wasn't quite there. Like he was trying something different, but it didn't quite work. And he also, yeah, it was just like a, a couple small things like that that happened that made it a lot trickier for so him. So when you won that matchup, you were almost guaranteed um, top. I think the only thing that could have possibly possibly happened was you score poorly and lose the next game. 
Um, and then Orion and um, Jimmy would have had to tie or Jimmy would have had to win. Yeah, that is a bunch of weird yeah. things that had to happen at that yeah. point. Yeah, and that was a weird strength of schedule thing. Did you feel a lot more secure getting into the top spot after beating uh, Jimmy? I felt secure when someone said to me, the next three games will be on ITD. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt I was like, oh, oh, okay, cool, I'm top eight, let's yeah, go. Exactly. <laughs> like, let's go. Like, I was like, oh, holy crap, I was ready to play like five open games and have a hard time, but you told me I could play ITD with Colts? Yo, yo, we good. <laughs> yeah, that is a that is a typically a, a pretty a pretty good thing when that happens for Colts, <laughs> yeah. and I I don't foresee yeah. their um, their nerf being big enough to help them to stop them from dominating dominating most ITD maps already in general. So there, there is one map, and I, I realized this. In fact, I got I got I had to play this map. Uh, you know the four rooms in the middle map? Yes. Yeah, I played that against Commandos. Number, and number that, one, that right? I believe. Yeah, number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That map for Commandos might actually be better than Open against Colts and every other team because you just shush to the doors and you just control everything. Oh. Um, and I had to play it. I, I did manage to win, but it was a bit sketch. <laughs> it was sketchier than I thought it would be. Yeah, especially with um, dynamite and stick bombs. and. Yeah, it, was a, it was a stick bomb alpha play that, I, that, that, that went off. And oh. I survived it because it's still 2-4. But... It was like, uh, 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 I could lose here. Oh, no. Okay. We're good. We made it. We're good. Yeah. I think, I think one of the, the biggest, um, tells that, com- uh, cultists were broken was Shane. Shane was at the event. Shane is also an amazing player. Uh, I think he took second at, at, um, KTO and second at Nova. And he, and he won ACO. He won a bunch of things. Um, but, uh, he was playing at ACO versus his buddy, Ryan. And Alpha struck uh, with a he Alpha struck with a um, the legionary sorcerer and killed nine devotees, or he killed nine cultists what? on turn one. That's insane. And then what? he and then the cultist player Ryan still came back, and they almost tied, and he only won by one. This was pre nerf. That's. Ins- oh, pre-nerf. Okay, pre-nerf. Yeah, yeah. Okay, pre-nerf, I can see that. I was like, post-nerf, I do not. I could, that would be like over. But yeah, pre-nerf, like one torment can solo the entire marine verse. Like it's, it's so strange. <laughs> I'm going to call it that for now on the marine verse. Yeah, uh, like for all oh, the marine verse. That's yeah. it. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, it was, it was pretty exciting to say the least. Um, so... Uh, you, how did you feel when you got top eight? Were you even more confident? Were you excited? Did you do anything that night to like celebrate or to concentrate on your next, on your next day? Did you go to sleep early? What happened? I think I went and passed out in the the hotel. I was so tired. I I was this entire event. I was running on just like coffee. And then the moment that wears off, I'm just like, good night. But I I go through like, when I'm, when I'm at that point, I go like through waves of like hyper energy, dead, hyper energy, dead, but it's like, it's not a good feeling to be out like that ever. No, I understand that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought about the matchups. I was like, oh, who's in? Okay. These are all things I know what to do against. Okay, I'm going to bed. <laughs> I thought a little bit about the Colts mirror because it was like a thing that might happen now. There was like, I was like, okay, I have to worry about this. I'll think about what I'm going to do for mm-hmm. it. And I already know what I'm doing against commandos. I already know what I'm doing against breaches. I know what I'm doing against star striders. So the only thing I had to think about was what do I do in the Colts mirror? So I thought about that a bunch and then went to sleep. Oh, nice. So, um, 
Yeah. Um, going on to your first match of the top eight, uh, who did you play? I think it was Kikums, the, the Spanish commander player. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and was it on open? <laughs> like, so this day was like absolute nightmare for anyone else following the event. Like the yeah. night before um, or that, that morning, BCP went to shit. Everything just went to fucking shit on, on everyone who was covering it and trying to, no one could do anything, right? Like BCP shit. Yeah. We didn't hear anything from Games Workshop. It'd be yep. nice to know what the actual terrain was for that match when you defeated uh, Commandos. Was it not open again or was it another incident? It was an open, yeah. It was it was the open uh, long edge, okay. like long boards. Not, not diagonal, not, not the diagonal, the other one. Yeah, yeah. So were you not afraid of like the stick bomb and the 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 dynamite, or did you just like never give a blast? Like, which is I assume that I mean you can hit two. This is my my answer to the commandos is I'm gonna deploy my mind witch and like two blessed blades okay. unengaged. And you can come blast two of my guys and then I'll kill your orc and I'm okay with okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Your your dynamite's only like a fifty to sixty percent chance to kill a guy anyway, like Cool. Take your two coin flips. Then I'll kill you guaranteed, and then we're fine, right? Like that's 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 kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's a perfectly fine trade for me. If it's the knob, uh, right? Yeah, if you should never do it with the knob. I think like dynamiting people with the knob is just like throwing away your best operative to do a mediocre alpha strike. Like, go for it. Like that's that's how I that's how I've always felt about it. Uh, I think like a lot, the much better plays are like, uh, I think what should be happening more if we want to talk about commanders as cults is like uh, rocket boy forward deployed uh-huh. because he, he's actually so much more reliable. And what you do is you just don't shoot him till like activation 10 because then he's zoning so much more space from the cults player. Like if you look at those maps and you put him on that middle vantage, that's like the place where I want to stage. And now I can't because this rocket boy is just sitting here and he's going to shoot me if mm-hmm. I do anything. Right, that's that's what it, it, the the problem with like all these alpha plays and all this aggression, all this other stuff is like you stop having any zoning potential the moment you're done. You, you lose all, and so agency, then I just right? get to set up yeah. the turn two. Correct, yeah. You you give me agency the moment you shoot because now I don't have to worry about this anymore. As long as he's there, not having shot, I have to worry about it. That's fair. So, did every single Colts player try to do that on open? Like, try to do the the big game early play, and no one really did the back the backwards or like. You yeah, mean commanders? Um, I didn't. Uh, honestly, my opponent didn't get that aggressive with it. He, I think, if anything, he went not aggressive enough with his forward deploys. I, like, I think he just deployed the sniper and then the knob blocking the door with the stick bomb. Mm. Like, I, I think that, um, which I think was fine. I, I just think the rocket boy should have gone forward as well into like that a good sense. spot. That was like the only thing I thought about that. That was weird. I think watching Adrian's game against. Uh, Java, which was the the like first game of day four, he went for like a big like three APL charge fight stick bomb play. I think what he was trying to go for, and I just thought that was like way too risky and not enough payoff. Basically, I, I thought about that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, why would you not use the um, the most broken ploy for commandos? in this kind of a tournament, um, you know, like in general, I think that like, there's like a lot of people that want to like win without using the three sneaky gets, you know, throwing them forward and maybe in the, the certain matchups, it's not correct, but, um, 
yeah, we saw the maps and we we criticized them because they are either like really good for like sitting back and shooting because there was like really open and really good for melee teams because yeah. you could you literally just had a second staging area where you could just move up all your models be like okay cool now i'll charge everything else <laughs> yeah yeah i i it, they're, they're like they're kind of endemic of like what the problems are with like tpt style maps where like the middle of the board is too dense and too safe and your drop zones are not dense and safe enough that's like we we're talking about yeah, that earlier yeah, yeah, yeah um but i mean like i think uh, it, the, what should have one team that I was worried about was was Phobos mm. on these maps. Like with ignore obscuring, there's some really cringe ass things yeah. you can do shooting absolutely. But there was no Phobos, right? Um, no, there was. Mark Garrett did, yeah. and I think oh yeah, that's they, right. Mark Garrett took it. He didn't do particularly hot. Um, I think he ran into Vet Guard one too many times. Yeah, yeah that'll, that'll, that'll that'll be like, oh cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Early uh, teams, but, um, yeah, or Pathfinders. You know, anything that has a lot of AP. Yeah, a lot of shots. Yeah, exactly. There's things can go wrong for Phobos, but I think they are very, very good on these maps. Yeah. They're also not particularly as great into intercession either, surprisingly. Um, mm. So now we're going to get into like some other controversies, some things that happened. Uh, what was the round two? Who were you originally paired against? I was playing against Java. Mm. The See, what's interesting is every single person outside also paired everyone the exact way that GW guys paired you guys. So we had you playing into Java, so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden um, they had to stop the game and repair. Uh, what turning point were you guys on when they let you guys inform you? We were start of three. Uh, end of three, start of three. Where, did you guys have a, a clear like, indication of like who was leading? I, I was pretty sure yeah. I was going to win. I was like 95% confidence going to win. In my estimation. And we even we even talked about it afterwards and he was like, if you let's roll priority, if you win this, you've basically won the game. And and he basically I was like, We rolled it, I won, and he's like, You've won good game. Like basically it was the mm. conversation we had afterwards and Yeah, so essentially you beat Java uh, three times. <laughs> yeah, he even said that on stream and, and he played well, but yeah, I especially that ITD game, like everything like my whole plan worked out really, really well and it was very much not going his way. There was also an interaction he wasn't aware of that kinda hurt him, which was the he didn't he, they, I think in Spain they play the faithful follower differently, like they get down Mr. President, where if you shoot three people with the flamethrower, you, if you kill, you can't redirect the, the guy who died, whereas it was ruled mm. you can. Interesting. So he, was, he, he was planning to kill all three of my guys so he could get through a door, and I went, no, that's a mind witch. You can't kill that with the flamethrower because I'll make you kill yeah. the other guy, um, which really hurt his whole plan. And I was like, yeah, now you're stuck in that room with like two of your most powerful operatives, and I'm going to go run this side of the table mm. over here now. So, who did you get paired into uh, when they had to repair the round? And uh, I heard there was a vote. Um, how mm -hmm. did you end up voting? Because I heard it had to be unanimous. I mean, like, I thought I was going to win, so obviously I wanted to keep playing, right? But at the end of the day, there's no point speculating what everyone voted. That The whole point of it being anonymous is to oh, not yeah. throw mud at people. Guess, yeah. like. And and also like uh, who am I to say that you know if I was losing or if I thought I was going to lose I wouldn't have voted I would have no, I would have one hundred percent been like nah I get another chance at life yeah hell no exactly <laughs> so, like, so like yeah this this yeah this playing this whole like you know who did what who voted what thing is like it's you, you know it's it's kind of like pointless like obviously I thought I was going to win so I voted let's keep playing so that absolutely, I get my game absolutely right? yeah I I one hundred percent I think that's like one of the reasons why they did it. Uh, 
unanimously is because like yes they would they got the 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 pairing that GW was looking for anyways there was no you know they wanted it to be fair or however however they wanted it to be paired I'm not really sure what went wrong the the pair so the problem was the pairing was meant to be a bracket uh-huh. system so it was it was meant to be like it was like you can't play someone on the other side of the bracket till you reach yeah. the end. So Java was meant to be someone I could only play like the last Interesting. game. It, right, it's not meant to be based on your scores and stuff. Whereas BCP did it, Swiss scores, whatever the settings were for everyone else, rather than doing it the proper yeah. bracket. That's, that's what yeah. happened. See, when we, when, when like me and Sheldon and a couple other people made like the bracket, we actually had you like, I think it's like third seed. So you actually would have been on the other side of the bracket. It's just weird that you and Orion got paired, I think on an upper bracket. I mean, like on, so you guys would have been able to play each other. I don't know. It was weird. It was, uh, it's definitely, I'm not sure how exactly yeah. what, uh, it's yeah. So, um, your next game, uh, that you guys, after you guys got repaired was into, was it a, Adrian, Adrian another yeah. So then you beat, so you beat both. Well, you beat one, tied one of the American best, and then beat the other one. Uh, how was how was Adrian in your game? He made me like really work for this fucking win. <laughs> <laughs> that bastard! Oh my god! Oh, I was like, oh, it's capture ITD. Oh, it's just so uh-huh. free. And then it's like turn three, and I'm like, I know I'm supposed to win this game. But if I make one mistake, you're going to win this game. Oh, my God. What's happening? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah, it was a really great game. Um, Adrian really made me work for it when I thought I wouldn't have to, which I was like, oh, oh, God. Why are you doing this? Stop playing well. No, no. <laughs> um, oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a good game. It was a good game. Um, yeah, you- yeah, he really, like... Uh, after that game, like when when he he was paired in Java, I was like, I, I feel like I, I would have bet my money on, on Adrian to win after yeah. that game. Um, and I mean, I, I I don't know how much it played an impact on it, but him playing till like two a.m. that night probably. Did yeah, I think that I think that was the the one of the other issues was that they him and Orion did end up playing five games or at least most of four and a half games. Let's just call it. Such. Yeah, yeah. And they ended up playing for eighteen yeah. hours that day. Uh, because of the four yeah. hour rounds, did you like the four hour rounds? I think uh, on day one, I think they're a good idea, and after that, I think it may as well just be like three or two and a half hour rounds. Okay. Even the the main reason, the main thing with it being three hour rounds is that every game needs to finish. Yeah. Like they can't, you can't adjudicate a game because of the format, especially not in the later rounds. So there needs to just be enough time in in case it goes mm-hmm. long, right? Um. You could maybe introduce some sort of sudden death system where like, all right, guys, it's been two and a half hours. You now have 30 seconds for activation. Go. Something like that. That could be a way to do it. Um, yeah. And not like, I, I wouldn't be against that, but I also play 30 second activations for fun. So, <laughs> so why does every, so with the, why couldn't an end, a game just end at time? Like in a typical tournament? Because they just, um, just like for fairness, basically, like they want to play the game out till the end. Like it's very hard to adjudicate a game most of the time at that mm-hmm. stage. Um, and they just want the games to be completed. Okay. That That's just the decision they made. And I think that's that's fine. Um, and I don't think like three hour rounds elite, three hour rounds, I think are fine. And and four hour rounds in the first day, I'm also okay with just because of things like jet lag. I just think like it's very much like 
an, an advantage for people who don't have to deal with it and having longer rounds mitigates mm-hmm. that. Um, just a fairness thing, really, I think. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it changed much about how the games are. People are saying like, oh, this makes it like a completely different game. I'm like, no, not, not really. Most of my games were done in like two hours and I was playing a 15 operative team. And, I did right, hear like, that some people went to full four hours a couple times, but you know. I mean, me, me and Ryan went to three and a half. We were also playing very much like slower than yeah. we had to. Um, and I was like, this is my second day in the States. So I'm almost certain like a mix of jet lag and sleep lack or whatever. Totally. This is like affecting my of course, ability to play. Of course. So, so um, and then it was after Adrian, you had to, you had to end up uh, playing Java and then you beat him that time. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you got to go to sleep and sit it out. Right. And then you had to wait for Adrian and Java to play the next morning. Correct. And Java took the dub there, and then you ended up having to play Java two more times because he beat you the next time he played, mm-hmm. and then you beat him yep. the the last round. It was hard for me to yep. watch a stream as I'm not a native Spanish speaker, and they're they're yep. talking over each other quite a lot, so yeah, I would yeah. just tune in and check the points and stuff. But it yep. also wasn't super clear about who won until about an hour afterwards. Um, yeah, to be fair, I think we all just sort of like we finished our game and we all went. Okay, we're done. We can we can relax now. <laughs> yeah. So how was how was winning the whole thing? Did you did you have any sell? Did people buy any drinks? Like what happened? Yeah, a couple of people bought me drinks. We all had a good laugh, a chat, walked around talking to everyone. Um, we ended up trying to get the 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 award ceremony got delayed, so we finished the awards really late. And so then we went for drinks, and then we found out that in the land of the free, you can't have alcohol after twelve on a Sunday. Huh. Um, well, really? Yeah, that must be an Atlanta thing. In, that must be an Cali- Atlanta thing. Yeah. Be an Atlanta California. Thing. Yeah, like apparently on Sunday they can't sell alcohol after midnight. So we walked around a whole bunch of places. They were all closed. Uh, then we got back to the hotel and ordered like 17 vodka lemonades at 11.58. <laughs> yeah, so we drank through those. So I had a couple of drinks on, on someone else and then uh, everyone chatted. It was great. Like Everyone was being friendly and we were all socializing. It felt great. Like the, the vibe was really good. I just went around and chatted to everyone, asked them how their games went, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's like, awesome. That's awesome. That felt good. So, yeah. <laughs> so what was your, uh, what was your prize support? Did, uh, what did you, what did you win? Cause last year they didn't win anything. They just got like a name on a plaque supposedly that I don't think anyone's seen. So I got this big handcrafted Warhammer uh-huh, sigil. Nice. Uh, this big heavy metal thing. It's cool. I'm, I, it's cool. It's like, Four in the world is nice, stupid. Apparently, uh, I got a little thing that says "Kill Team World Champion 2023," hey. and allegedly, I get every Kill Team release for free. Wow, for the next year. that's a so good I, prize. I need to figure out who to talk to about that. Uh, that's what the guy said when he was talking about mm-hmm. prizes, and I was like, "Do oh, you have it in writing cool. anywhere?" So I need. I need uh, <laughs> uh, all right, we'll see. We'll uh, see. I'll send him an email and see what he has to yeah. say for himself. <laughs> so I also heard. I also heard um, you guys got a golden ticket for next year. Correct. Nice. Yes. Or a re-invite. I don't know if it'll be a partially covered ticket or yeah. what. Who knows? They didn't, there's, there wasn't any specifics yet. They're saying they're working on that. So we'll find out when we find out. I'm not in any hurry yeah, to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got hopefully another year to, to think about and plan for it, right? It's, it's exactly, interesting yeah. that Games Workshop gave out about 20, 20, 22% of all their golden tickets that they awarded this year in one go. And I'm wondering if they're going to be changing the format next year uh entirely or in general and see if they're gonna maybe open it up more to the public rather than it just being an invitational 
They might just be aiming for a higher player count be. invitational. Like a 50-60 player invitational would be pretty yeah. sick. Like and like if if we go for like slightly shorter rounds or like fit like an extra game in on each on a couple of the days, like it could be pretty great. Um Absolutely. Yeah, I'd I'd be down for that. <laughs> yeah, there's a there there are some third party organizers that aren't super keen on getting a gold a, the golden tickets anymore because of some of the weird things that happened this year. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of where and what happens uh, during, I'm sure they're going to, they've usually announced their tournament circuit after LVO. So sometime in in February, very interested to see what's going to happen. Uh, I've heard some whispers in the warps about a few things that are going to happen, but we're not going to drop them here. Um, That'll happen when it happens. Exactly. Right. So, um, do you think that you would change anything? Did you like the double elimination format with 60 players? I feel like, like it, if they upgrade an next year, I mean, they have to, right. They want to continue to grow. I assume that's what yeah, exactly. would be. Would you want to see more of a normalized Swiss tournament? Would you want to see any changes um, to the overall event? No, I, I like double elim. I like brackets. I've always, that's one of the things that like, I've played a lot of Warhammer tournaments over the past, or different games and things. I like the double. I like brackets. I like double elim. Like I think it's it's really for me at least personally. I really like that mm-hmm. that style. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you could what you could do is you could make like a sixteen player double elim bracket if you had more players. Okay. Yeah, um, that could be really fun. Like you, you can definitely scale a double elim bracket and like everyone else. I don't know how the people playing their other games felt, but like you still got to play games even if you weren't part of that big bracket. See on um, BCP, it just so yeah, showed from, like when. I think Slater and Slater was out first. And then there was one other person in the top eight. It showed zeros for the rest of their time. Did they actually get to play games too? I think they had one more game. Yeah. Uh, A bunch of people played like one game on the Sunday. I I think they could do more to make the like eliminated players have stuff to do. Like that's, that's, that'd be good. Because they only played Um, played two games on Saturday, right? Uh, depends on when you lost, but yes, if you lost both your games, you were done on Saturday. I think you, then you had one more game on Sunday to play because you need to play eight games for the scoring stuff. Okay. Um, I think there could be maybe more given to those players to do. Like that'd yeah. be cool. Um, like they, you could definitely make some of the other side of it like more interesting for the eliminated players. But in terms of like playing to win and compete and prove you're the best. I think like a double elim format is, is fantastic. Got it, got it. Yeah. I mean, personally, I'd like to see more of a Swiss or a secondary. So like a first, a first in dairy, that's not a real word. A like first tournament to get into the top eight or 16. And then mm-hmm. uh, whoever doesn't make it actually plays in a normal tournament with like two hour rounds. Um, just because like, all those people could actually still like do something or win something, you know, rather mm-hmm. than, yeah, yeah. Cause I think Spain won the overall world, whatever best country, best, best country, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever that was. I mean, it's interesting how they were, they weren't like super open about any of these things. They just said the prizes that happened. I mean, but th- those are things were on the players pack, like how it all gets it. mapped okay. out. Got it. Not everyone reads player packs. That's that's it. That's it. <laughs> Trust me, I write some. I write some myself. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I've, I've done it too. I always, whenever someone's like asking for advice, I'm like, put something in there that's really innocuous but proves that yeah. they read it. I'm like, name the leader of your kill team a name <laughs> in your roster. Otherwise, you lose two points. 
You didn't. You should have read the player spec, buddy. Yeah, that's it. You lost two <laughs> points. Sorry. <laughs> it is it's true. It is it's true. good. That, that yeah. If you put that in every player spec, people are going to read every player yep. spec. You're right. <laughs> they, they've lost two points once, and they've learned they their lesson they now. Did. So, um, are you a fan of time clocks or not time clocks? I don't, I don't mind. I'm like I've play on clocks. Like a bunch of the guys here like playing mm-hmm. on clocks. It's a good way to practice. Um, we usually like I, we usually play on like thirty minutes per player clocks when we're trying to practice playing quick, and it's okay. fine. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite I, I was talking about it earlier, but uh, one of the f- things we just like I like to do as f- like a fun exercise is thirty second activations. So you each have thirty seconds to pick a guy. Okay, and do nice. Something. Yeah, it really forces you to like both plan ahead and think quickly. Like it's it's a really another good way to like practice mm-hmm. the game. Um. So yeah, I, I like clocks. I'm not against them, uh, especially if you were to make the timers shorter for the event. Like if you're like, we have two hour rounds only and anything else, then I'd probably be like, well, okay, now we probably need yeah, clocks. Yeah. Um, if you want to be like, we're being a competitive tournament and we're taking being competitive seriously. Yeah, right? I think, I think uh, I definitely agree with you um, for sure. Especially if they want their, their, their uh, tournaments to uh, finish. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, on time. So, yeah. uh, it, who, I, w- I want to ask you if you want to do a couple shout outs, like to your possible, like your hardest opponent of the entire time, maybe the person who had the best sportsmanship or if you made any like new friends. Um, I mean, I, I chatted to everyone. I had a great time. Like the Spanish guys are fantastic to talk to. Um, Keekum's like, he, he lost to me. And then like the entire rest of the event, we just woke up to each other and just like talk shit. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, it's, now, buddy. it's all over for you. I like you, but I'm cheering for him. Like that kind of stuff. So maybe he was my favorite opponent sportsmanship okay. wise. Um, and then I think Orion was probably my like trickiest game. It was definitely the most weird and interesting okay. game I played. Um, it might've been because I didn't know Galapox that well. Like the other teams I played against, I knew fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was definitely like the, I mean, yeah, that was the game I felt the most difficulty seeing how to win. Like the game I lost to Java, I, I saw afterwards how I could have won and it, it was just like me being a dum-dum. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been a close game either way, but I, I had a path to, to win. Whereas like against Orion, I was like, oh, I'm struggling constantly. This is just constantly hard. It's fair. Um, so moving on to Cultist, you are the Cultist master as we would say right now. Uh, what makes them so good in your eyes? Okay. First of all, you don't lose the dice. Mm-hmm. You just don't like the, the, you have so many ways to not have to worry about a bad dice roll that if you say as cultists, oh, I lost cause my dice were bad. You're lying to yourself. <laughs> Even if this team gets nerfed, this will still okay. be true. Because unless they like nerf some like of the accuracy stuff, which I don't think they will. Um, that's like the thing that made me want to play them at, at like a long tournament. Um, secondly, like the other strength is your ability to like transfer power across the table by choosing where to mutate, where to make torments, yada, yada, yada. You can like, it's more relevant in ITD than on open. Uh but especially on ITD, you can like finish deployment and then go through like two thirds of your turn and then decide where your strongest operative is going. Whereas when you deploy normally, that's kind of decided mm-hmm. already. That's 
so that's their other like biggest strength. Those are like the two main things about them. Like obviously you have a lot of operatives and you have a lot of APL and you have all this other stuff. That's that's the fairly obvious stuff. But it's the the ability to transfer power across the table and it's the fact that you can't roll badly that makes them fantastic player. Okay, fair Do you feel like yeah. the team cultist itself um, doesn't really lack any opportunity costs? Like I always think to myself, you have a lot of operatives that can transform and like you just mentioned, dish out power on any side they need to be in. Um, do you think that's one of the main reasons they're so strong? Like, do you think that's going to be something they'll get rid of in like a change? Um, no, I don't know. Like, uh, we can talk about nerfs in, in a bit, but I mean, the opportunity cost is you don't get to play the game on turn one, right? Like you're just sitting there trying not to lose the game turn one. You, you can't make plays basically unless your opponent does something really, really weird. Right. Right. Like that's, that's your cost as cults is, is you don't have turn one. Like less than any other team in the game, maybe except like Galapox, I guess. And even then, they can like threaten stuff with Volga, right? right? Like Volga can make some wild plays turn one where you just win the game off of yeah. the flamethrower. Colts really don't. You can like ping like two mortal wounds on someone with your mind witch, and that will be relevant and annoying to your opponent. But like that's not the same thing as shooting plasma guns and grenade launches and Volga's flamethrower and all these other things. Yeah, which right? isn't terrible because usually turn one's a lot of setup anyway. So, well, yeah, but. Turn one is set up in pressure. You don't get the pressure, mm, right? Part, right. It's it's not necessarily about shooting someone. It's about well, if you go there, I'm going to shoot you, so you can't go there now. That's that's what it's about. And you as cults, your opponent can go wherever they want, really. Like your opponent can do whatever they want, set up whatever they want, play really, really freely. Uh, where against any other team, you wouldn't be able to do that's that. That's true. I usually set up full engage against cult. Yeah, exactly. Like you can, you should, you should, <laughs> like, you can, you should. You know, just like like uh, just make sure you're not in just be obscured from the mind witch, so you don't get minus one APL in some stupid way, and you're fine. Right, that's it. That's the only thing you have to worry about. Mm, all right. But yeah, that, that's it. Um, and like, yeah, you have like a lack of range threat. Um, you have a lot of operatives that just die and don't do anything unless they're against very specific teams. Like that's that's your downsides. But obviously, the team is extremely strong. Like, there's there's Absolutely. no denying that. Do you do you like placing certain models next to certain models? So, like when I play Vetguard, um, it's very chess-like. Where you w- and same with Felgor, you want certain models yep. next to other models, and if you don't do that, you will learn pretty quickly, or you will just struggle with the team if you can't figure that out. Is there a specific like recipe that if somebody who's looking to play Colts or get better at Colts that they sh- that they can look at? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things. So if if you're worried about getting blasted, uh, you spread everyone out except your Mind Witch, Demagogue, and uh, Iconarch, and you just have them in a pair with one other cultist, because then you can get down Mr. President and the cultist just really, really dies, and you're like, cool, this is fine. Because um, you use Faithful Follower, both hits will go onto that cultist. Sure, yeah. And then it's like, so I generally bring a Crack Grenade. Um, so usually like the Crack Grenade, the Iconarch, and the Rosary... Like there's three pieces of uh, those those equipment cultists and that operative really want to be within six of the demagogue, because um, one of the few like semi aggressive plays you can do as cults is like you could like record dash your crack grenade move six throw and it's like a pseudo three APL crack grenade toss which is actually a pretty decent turn yeah. one play all things considered. Um, so you want to think about where your crack grenade's going like just make sure that demagogue can dash without yeah and your demagogue needs to not have to move turn one. Like where you place your demagogue and making sure everyone else who needs the demagogue stuff is is within six and visible is really important. Um, 
and then like your blessed blades want to you don't have to set them up within six but you want to set them up so they can move within six for two um which can be going far or not because you just want to be able to have access to that chain activate because it makes them so much better than they are on their own uh that's the main thing cults aren't like comboed inherently on their on their like they don't have very many individual operative combos it's it's more about like the long yeah. game, right? Like turn one deployment is setting up for turn two and turn three. And like, usually what I found was the, the blessed blades, like you kind of play them as like the second line where if someone runs up and kills your torment, then they like go and kill that yeah, there's guy. Been, it's kind of what you want to do. There's been too many times them. that um, when I've played cultists, I just kill the blessed blades first because they throw them out too early. And it's always seemed like a mistake. Yeah. Uh, because it's so it is, easy. It Some like if you deploy them too far up, it's like okay. Then you throw a demo mine up, or you you walk up with a grenade launcher or something like that, and you can either take a lot of wounds off or kill them. Yes, exactly. They they're really high output, but really squishy. Unlike your torments, so they're the ones you want to keep safe, and then they can do a lot of work. End of two, start of three. Like if start of three, you win priority, and your blessed blades are in a good spot, and they can just go. Like you're feeling good because if your torments are getting shot, they're probably going to live. If your blessed blades get shot, they're probably yeah. going to die. Um, yeah. The one yeah. time I beat Colts was on Into the Dark, and I just played melee vet guard and uh, <laughs> ran at them with hand axes, and then blew up nice. their their blessed blades on turn two, beginning of turn two. You know, uh, it was yeah. Miss misplay maybe <laughs> maybe by the opponent a couple times. Um, or maybe brilliant play yeah, by maybe, you. Who knows, maybe, right? Maybe. <laughs> Steven Seagal is a uh, And the other thing I'll say is, is the, the icon arc should be played around more. Like the damage reduction, like you need to just move and set up damage reduction and then turn to your torments just need to be, with, like both your torments should start within four of, of your icon arc is, is how I see it. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. That's actually a really insightful um, tip to a lot of players. Cause they, I don't think that a lot of people do that. A lot of people play really not aggressively with the icon arc and just like keep them back behind protecting, you know, their leader and stuff. I think mm-hmm. that's a, no, like, I mean, if you look at those those maps, like, he should just be, like, somewhere near that middle ruin, radiating out his aura behind, like, a barricade so he can't just get randomly shot. And then, like, the two torments stand, like, four inches forward from him so they can threaten objectives, but also just be, like, very hard to kill. So even if you lose priority, you're like, okay, yeah, run up to me with your plasma gun that's on four or five. Shoot yeah. me, go ahead, right? Like, and you, I just don't die now. <laughs> like, Absolutely. you know what I mean? That's that's how I think the Iconarch should be used. Like, I was talking to the the Garrett um, mm-hmm. brothers because uh, they did an interview with me and, and they were talking about like, oh yeah, everyone I see use the icon. They just use them as a flamethrower. And I'm like, that's not mm-hmm. it, man. That damage reduction is so key. It's so huge against so many things. Like it just changes like the breakpoints on like every important weapon against your torments. Super fair. So um, what is the most important thing to like think about while setting up. So like when you're thinking about setting up and for your turning point three and turning point four, are you thinking about like, okay, well, I'm going to be this, this objective is going to be hard for me to take. So I'm going to put three cultists or four cultists over here. And then like, so that they could like eventually fodder out and die. Like, what is your kind of like thought process looking at each objective? Are you thinking about your secondaries? You know, cause a lot of people, they, they have a harder time thinking it more than like one turn in advance, right? Maybe, maybe two turns. Yeah, yeah. So what is your advice to, to those players? Generally as cults specifically, it, it obviously depends team to team, but as cults, I think you need to think about which four objectives you're playing for on turn three and four. Okay. Uh, you're probably going to get four, two, turn one. 
there's a decent chance you get four to turn two. So you have to think, all right, on turn three and turn four, which four objectives are mine? Okay. Um, so like you put your torments where you want to go. You put just enough cultists that your opponent has to deal with it on the other objectives that they can't just mm-hmm. leave it. And then you just like, you make your torments, take those to- objectives for you. And then you're like second and third wave of cultists walks under those objectives on turn three and like holds them, secures them, whatever else you need to do. Um, yeah, you really are playing like a three, like of a turn three, I'm going to now start okay. winning the game. I think that's a great, another great insightful tip. Um, like if you, um, if you, if you want to like an example of this, if you watch the game I played against Java, the mm-hmm. last one, um, just look at the table and look how I end up taking like the four objectives along, like the two in my side, the one on the far side, and then one in his territory. And like, I just play around that sort of section. Uh, like that's where my iconoc is and my two torments are like one on each objective basically one threatening each objective and then like i'm just slowly pushing to take those by turn four or like turn three and then like turn four like everything exploded everything was dead but but turn three you can see like that play come into effect where now i've got those four objectives firmly secured and there is no taking them off of me fair Hmm. okay now how did you win your cultist uh, mirror did you do anything because you won it three times essentially two and a half times Hmm. is there like a specific strategy that you would do into cults via cults? Like there were some like differences in how we approach things uh, that I think ended up favoring me, obviously <laughs> like as I won, but um, uh, like the main stuff I think was like some of our equipment was a little bit different. Like I was bringing a crack grenade every game and that was coming up really big mm-hmm. for me. Um, I was way more patient with my icon arc. Like he would go activation to activation three of turn two and flamethrower or something. Whereas I'd wait till like, Oh, like my fifth last active, you know, like six activations in, now I'll move my icon arc. So like, it was little things like that, I think, in terms of like our overall strategy that were different. Um, on on the first game on ITD, I just think it came down to like a uh, deployment and I had a better overall strategy on the ITD side of it, like in terms of which rooms I was fighting okay. for. Mm-hmm. Um, second game was a loot game it I, it came down to i think i just did a better job of looting early like i got a 4-2 on turn two and then denied him a 4-2 on turn mm-hmm. three uh which ended up winning me the game uh and then the last game like the last game he gave me defender and i looked at the map and i basically looked at him and okay this four objective setup is like really hard to crack i'm just gonna take this setup and i'm just gonna hold it and he's not gonna be able to get through me basically i had that like strategy in mind that was just like really hard for him to break and he just he couldn't find a way through that was basically what happened and also um he went for a 4-2 mm-hmm. on that game and i'd i'd seen it, it was loot it was going to be a 4-2 and so i set up uh, an engaged cultist my engaged mind witch and a guy who i was going to make an engaged mutant he takes the 4-2 i charge with my first cultist who has a rosary so he's like never dying i fight him we both mutate then my Mind Witch walks up to him. Mind Witch mind blasts him. He's down to three wounds. And then my engaged mutant charges him and kills him. And now at the start of this second turn, he's down an operative and I'm up a mutant. Like, and that, that was like, that made that game. So like, I already had the advantage in my mind because I had this better setup around this four objectives. And now we were starting turn two where I had this mutant advantage. And it was just like, well, what are you going to do now? I'm going to have three torments this turn. You can't yeah. stop that. Um, so yeah, that, that was like the main stuff that, that sort of worked out for me. And like, I was bringing the crack grenade. He wasn't, um, I was bringing the frag grenade on ITD as well. And I was just doing a bunch of like, like turn one chip damage on ITD that he, he wasn't doing. 
They gave me like a, a slight edge there. I was bringing Blood Ritual, which I think is a phenomenal tack op, um, and he wasn't. So I think I had an easier time with my tack ops too. Um, That's fair. It's like a lot of small differences that I just think gave me like a bunch of little edges that all added That's up amazing, basically. Yeah. Yeah, you you had a great read on the meta and a great read on the team, and you just you just you know proved that by you know taking the whole thing. Did you? Here's another question. So when I won that game, I specifically did not like attack the the torments very much because mm-hmm. they're gonna kill my guys anyways, right? Um, and they can't take objectives. So when yeah. so the I I think when play when people are playing cultists at their worst it's they over mutate when is the right time to mutate and when is the wrong time to mutate and when should you like hold back Um I mean it, it's like it depends on how many devotees you've lost it depends on a lot okay. of factors right Generally like you want to make at least three torments like as a minimum like that's just always happening and then, like, maybe you, if, if you've got, like, your Blessed Blades and your Leader and your Iconarch and your Mind Witcher Life, they can do your mission action stuff, then you can mutate more. If they've been sniped out, then you have to mutate less. It, it really just comes down to the matchup okay. and the mission. Um, generally, I don't try to mutate by fighting very often unless it's, like, Vet Guard that I'm playing against. Like, even Marines, like, with fists, I don't want to charge and fight. I don't like this. It's either just like, oh... He rolled a crit and two hits, and I did not roll a crit. Okay, so I guess I just mm-hmm. die now. Um, this was a great charge. <laughs> like, um, you know what I mean? Like, I did, unless I have like unless I have my Iconox damage reduction aura there, I'm not fighting these right, marine yeah. fists, man. That's too dumb. That's too risky, right? If he's three three fists, then we're fine. All right, then we're fine. That'll be okay. But three no four way. fists, no mm, way. No, not happening. <laughs> no, 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 too risky. That's too fair. risky, right? Um, but yeah, generally, like, I'll I'll mutate. A couple of mutants on turn three, maybe uh, like like one or two, and then I'll usually end up healing at least one okay. torment. Um, I, I tend to do a lot of healing on on my torments um, more more than I mutate, especially on turn three and turn. Yeah, four. I think that's insightful as well, more than some people might think. So, do you have any other pro tips for people before we move on to what we think the nerf should be and what you think the nerf should be and how mm. how based we are? I think that's how you say it, right, G? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure um so some like cults tips or general tips um i mean i think as any team the same thing applies as cults where you should be thinking about where are you playing on turn three and turn four like what's what's your game plan i think a lot of people just sort of take it as it comes and that's how you end up with like situations where you just have no options left where you're like oh i can't reach this objective or this objective because i didn't think about it two turns ago um and that kind of stuff just generally applies to every team. Uh, same with like how you deploy. Like you should know where everyone's going turn one, unless your opponent does something weird. Like you, you, you need to react to mistakes and punish them, but also you can't assume that they'll happen. You kind of just have to plan for what you want to do if your opponent also plays really well. And then if they make a mistake, punish them. Otherwise, you have your game plan, and your game plan should work irrespective of your opponent making mm-hmm. mistakes or not. Um, I think a lot of people bank on their opponent doing something stupid to win their games, which happens often. We all make mistakes. I do stupid things. I got five man stick bombed in mm. one of my games. Like, um, but you know, it's better not to plan for that. True. You know what That's I mean? Very true. Um, other things for cults, uh, just like charging and looting. Like, use your cultists like double charge a guy and then loot with the second guy. Like J twoing and double looting. Patience. I talked about this a lot. Um, just wait. 
as cults. You can just wait. If you if your if like your opponent is like not played aggressively because you're by the torments, just like activate your backline guys and just move up and loot something and just wait. Like you don't have to go. You have twelve activations on turn two or whatever. It's something ridiculous, yeah. right? Um, you don't have to instantly charge your torment forward. You can just sit in your damage reduction and, and dare your opponent to walk up and hit you on fours or fives with the minus one to hit. And then when they've done that, then you charge afterwards because now you're like never going to die, right? Like be willing to wait on turn two um, as cults. Um, mind Witch is really strong. Um, know when to be aggressive. Sometimes your Mind Witch should just walk up and like spam mortals. Like I think my Mind Witch did like an average of 15 mortals per game. It's nice. stupid. That's right. like two turns worth. Because right? I would just walk. About? That's like two, three turns. Yeah, like she would always like on turn two just walk six and just go <laughs> mind blast mm-hmm. the dude in the face. And like, what are you going to do about it, buddy? Like, Die. you know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> that, that was another thing. Yeah, that's it. That was another thing in, in my game against Java, actually. I, think I was way more aggressive with my Mind Witch. He was sitting back. He was minus one APLing dudes. He was doing like his like two mortal wound pop. I'm like, all right, we're going for that five plus D three. Let's go. And I just blow up a blessed nice. blade. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So like, I think mind witch aggression, like knowing the mind, witch is one of the most powerful models on the team and using it effectively is like a big part as well. I think that people are missing like the mind, witch can just like carry games against Galapox. The minus one APL is huge. Um, against other teams, you want to just pop mortals, just walk up to them and just do massive damage. Like, both of those are valid things, and you need to be doing both depending Fair. on. Fair, that's another one. Yeah, that's one of the uh, one of the things that I always looked at was like, hey, why isn't the? Uh... Whenever I've played Colts, I never as playing Vet Guard, I would never ever get like mortal wounded, and I was like, I don't know why I'm not getting mortal wounded. You just kill a model. I think people are like too scared because mine is so little and fragile, and oh, it's only one two. Like, yeah. Who cares? Just blow up someone, and then if you die afterwards, yeah. it's fine. You're trading one for one at that point. At that point, they're not shooting yep. your torments, so who cares, right? Like, you've got yeah. other threats. Yeah. You don't care. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so let's move on to nerfs. So, G, do you want to go with your nerfs? I'll do mine, and then, Alexa, you can tell us um, how wrong we are, and then tell us yours. <laughs> Sounds sure, good. Sure. Go ahead. I have one nerf, and it's not necessarily a nerf. It's a way that the team, the, the play style would change. So in order to okay, mutate, you'd have to sacrifice one of your regular cult cultists. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the whole change. It's a big nerf. <laughs> that is a big nerf. That is not not <laughs> that's not, not a nerf. Right. It's not it's not, not a nerf. But not- <laughs> my guy's blowing up every time is a pretty big nerf. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I would also want to give them back their five up field no pain at that point because you are you are, lo- you okay, are losing okay, guys. Okay, that's, uh, ooh, all right, that's okay. Now it's my now it might not be enough. That's probably maybe stronger. <laughs> oh, you, you think so? Actually, really? You might have you really, you really uh, losing yeah, so. losing operatives because I, so. um, I mean I would just uh, well I would just not mutate on turn four. I would sack those operatives. I'd be down three operatives, but my torments never mm, die. Interesting. Her. Okay, you've you've just bought <laughs> okay, the team. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, for changing the play G, Good job. Well, uh, you know, um, once it goes into effect, I would I'd love to see that. Because one thing, like uh, like we were already mentioning, is you're you're absolutely right about you can put your threats wherever you need them to be. Um, but if a smart mm. opponent, obviously not an into the dark, because you have even more of an advantage getting around um, visibility, um, you, you could yeah. shoot them from angles in an open board and kill off certain models. Um, but let's say you have to now decide where you want that threat to go. If you're really like putting pressure on one side of a Colts player. So you're killing off a lot of the small guys. Um, now they might yeah, start yeah. sacrificing some of those small guys in those sections. So 
I mean, that's how you should be playing anyway. Right, exactly. I but so yes. I was just wondering how that would probably change if you if we went that style. Um, uh, it really depends on the boards. Like, if the boards are more open, it's a question of even how much do we need to nerf goals, yeah. right? Um, but let's hear Dakota's yep. nerf, and then and I'll, I'll, I'll wax lyrical So afterwards. for me, it would be... Um, Devotee. Oh, most of the most of the nerfs go to the devotees. So uh, minus mm-hmm. one wound to all devotees. Minus mm-hmm. one attack to all devotees, okay. and then healing okay. if they're already injured for a mutant. So if they're down to one wound, they would yep. heal up to uh, five instead of seven. And for a torment, mm-hmm. when cool. they'd heal up, they'd heal up to ten instead of thirteen. Cool. I yep. I also don't think that that's not enough okay. of a nerf. Right. I don't think. I think that's a very insignificant okay. nerf. What is yours? What are you um, thinking? Uh, all right. So first of all, we'll we'll do this in two ways because ITD nerf and open nerf okay. are different, right? But like, let's just talk open. Let's pretend ITD doesn't exist because that's that's <laughs> right. we have to like we have to start <laughs> fucking breaking knees. Yeah. Like, all right, we just have to walk up to every model and they all move four inches now. It's like stupid. Um, so here are my nerfs. Uh, the first one I would do uh, is unleash the demon. The double fight yeah. ploy costs one additional CP every okay. time you use it. Okay, I think that would actually be like a more significant nerf on its own than either of what you've said. Well, it depends on exactly how the sacrificing cultist thing work, but I think that that actually makes it so because you're going to use it on turn two, you want to use it on turn three, and if you want to use it both those turns, now it's really hard to like have CP for everything else you want to do. Now you actually have to make hard decisions. Now you're actually giving up some of your part. Like you can't faithful follower multiple times. You can't do the extra mutations multiple times. You're going to either have to give up the minus one to hit or the auto hit. Like you actually have to give up stuff Fair. now. Um, that would be the first thing I would do. And then maybe I'd like nerf the mind, which is minus one APL, like give it a range. Yeah. Or something like that. Like that ability is, is genuinely very, very underrated and how impactful it is, especially against mm-hmm. certain teams. And then I'd be okay with like making devotees three attacks. Like that'd be fine too. I don't think that would change too much, honestly. Um, on ITD, it's like harder. You could maybe like give them an ITD specific nerf. Although honestly, like things like doors and move blocking torments and stuff like that, it, it, it's it's not. Having played a bunch of ITD against really good players, it's not as overwhelming as you think. Especially if not if the like if it's a safe open map compared to like a ITD map, it's not that different actually. Um, but yeah, some of that, I, I would probably do that. Um, you could maybe nerf some of the mutations. You could maybe get rid of the ignore movement penalty on winged. I'd be okay, okay. with that too. Yeah. Um, th- those I think are more significant nerfs because they change what you can do, right? Like if, if you nerf the devotees and all that stuff, that still doesn't change my torments running the game on turn two right. and turn three. Whereas if, if double fighting costs an extra CP, now, it's, now there is like, I can no longer do this thing I was doing before. I can no longer have all of my ploys I want every time. That's fair. That, that's how I see it. Like in terms, of the, the, in terms of nerfs, that would actually like, and I, I don't think devotees being six wins would change much. Every time someone shoots one of them, I just pick them up. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> like it, 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 would, it would make a difference against like frag grenades and stuff, it, it, you know. But I still don't think they'd be worth taking. Uh, the healing nerf again, I don't think it's it's not very often that I'm healing injured models by mutating them. It's okay. very rare. Um, the um, a surprise question for you: How would you nerf commandos? Because, mm-hmm. in my opinion, they also are well deserved of a nerf. Sure, um, I think single snake you get is like the, the the default starting point. Not just because it's strong, but because it's just really yeah. unfun. 
Um, like I, I was, I'm talking to a few people. And I'm like, I think there's more people could be doing against triple sneaky get to make it not as good mm-hmm. as it is. But the problem is, it's so easy to play triple sneaky get, and it's so hard to yeah. play against it, especially on like loot. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh fuck on loot, it's so stupid. I, I played a practice game where my my knob, I sneaky get it in behind a door, dash through the door, looted, and walked back to the other <laughs> side. <laughs> and my opponent just looked at me and went, "Fuck," and I'm like, "Yep, you score one this turn." <laughs> <laughs> like this is stupid. Um, so yeah, uh, single sneaky get. Um, then I'd probably nerf just a scratch to only work on normals and not crits, and that's probably fine. I don't think that that that's all right. Okay, all right. I'm I'm happy there uh, to just start with. Like I don't think they're that they're they're a very strong team, but I don't think they're that bonkers. The whole like make the squig and the thing OGA two is just like. You're just asking for this to be really stupid on ITD where the grot opens the door for the squig and then you blow up. Like, <laughs> Well, the, 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 the grot could actually, if you give them... Uh, have you ever seen the play where you can actually shoot a door, open it while you're mid-zipping through an entire like section and then swing out onto the other side because the door... And then yeah. dash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. done this stuff. I've done this to people. I, I, well, I didn't quite do this, but I did do a thing where I zipped to a door then dashed on the objective and then stole it yeah. from my opponent. <laughs> People are like, what like, the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like? And you're like, yeah, well, it does. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, this is within one inch of yep. where I see. And now I will dash. And now I'm yep. on the objective. It's, it's amazing. That's just math, kiddo. I can't tell you <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think that would be like a good place to start as any. I, I think, yeah, maybe you could make not work on turn one. That honestly might be an ITD enough more than anything. Like, on ITD, making sure not playable on turn True. one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on certain maps, on on the on map one with sure, like the game is just yeah. done. <laughs> like it's 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 it, like I was I genuinely think it's stronger than triple sneaky getting on open. Like you control every single objective bar one. You still have three CP. You can all charge from concealed anywhere yeah, in that room. Listed. It's actually worse than getting triple sneaky getting yeah. on that map. Um, Vetguard really like that map too because they also all get. Yeah, yeah, Vetguard yeah. are the same, yeah. But at least Vetguard don't all get to that charge from conceal. That That's the difference. True. That's the difference. <laughs> um, so yeah, th- th- those are my nerfs okay, for those cool. two. Well, we had a blast having you on. Um, thank you. It was a pleasure absolutely. for me too. Uh, thank you so much for jumping on. Is there anything that you would like to shout out? Um, I don't know. Kill Team is a pretty good game. Good game. <laughs> <laughs> How about... Uh, no, I'm not, not anything in particular. I'm just... We're chilling. You can go, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just have fun. Play Kill Team. Like, it's, it's in a pretty good place. I, I don't know. Like, Colts and Commanders are annoying, but I don't think they're that unbeatable. Like, I think, like I was saying, like, Novitiates and stuff, I think, should exist in this meta and should be. I think, I think the 86% win well. of cultists at that event um, begs to differ. Hey, <laughs> no. That's because no one played Novitiates. It doesn't ruin guys, the fun of the game because most of the people I play with, even at tournaments, you know, like sure, Colts, Orcs are going to, you know, Commandos are getting up there, but everyone else is still having a good time. That's not a bad sign. That is very true. That's it. And who's to say if I didn't play Vetgod, they wouldn't have right. any success. Yeah, that is knows? true, too. That is true, too. I mean, I... I have my Vetgod. I've gone 6-0 and ran with the one time I ran them, so I, I don't think, know. Uh, I think Vetgard's, um demo mine needs to get nerfed for sure. Oh, I agree. That that thing needs to go. That you can buff something else. Like buff other things. Just nerf the mortal wounds on the sniper and nerf the demo mine. Just please get that out of my game. <laughs> get it gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, G, do you have anything else to to shout out? 
Yeah, I'll do my little bit right here. Um, so as people know, for anyone who's been listening, and for those who don't know, and maybe you just started listening, we are affiliated with Frontline Gaming. So if you're in the market for getting new box sets, secondhand models, or attending one of their events that they have here in the United States, consider using our link in the description. It gives us a little bit of a kickback, which is always nice for us. That helps us run more events for everyone else here and make them bigger and grander. Um and of course, I want to shout out and thank our patrons. You know, they help us out in a more personal way. And we really appreciate that. So if you're considering uh, wanting to do that, you know, you totally can. And um, lastly, I'm on Instagram at Wargaming underscore studios. I'm currently finishing my Kasserkin. I just decided on a basing finally. So now I'm going to do all that. And um, yeah, how about you, Dakota? Yeah, I would like to shout out uh, LVO. It's going to be hopefully the biggest tournament of the entire world. This year, uh, we have 200 tickets uh, open and available. Uh, we have sold quite a lot of those tickets. Uh, we're well over 100 now. Um, and we are currently working our butts off to make sure that all of the terrain is there and painted. Um, so looking forward to doing that. And uh, also like to uh, shout out Harry Potter. Man, you know. <laughs> Gotta love, got gotta love some, uh, some 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 Potterheads out there. So if you guys like Harry Potter, you know, go get into our Discord and tell us what house you guys are in. So, yeah, other than that, man, you know, that's it. Stay metal, man. Stay metal. Yeah. Stay metal. <laughs> <laughs>The Squad Games Podcast is a production of Squad Games Entertainment. For more information on Squad Games, please visit our website at lustersworkshop.com slash squad-games.